Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here with the May 2023 installment of the News of the Month series on the Kerr Reviews podcast, where I discuss a few different entertainment news stories that feel important and or interesting to me. Each of the stories you'll be hearing me talk about have been divided into four separate categories. The first set of them is some awards talk. Coming up next is the Tony Awards. For the second year in a row, the show will be hosted by a former guest of the Care Reviews podcast, Ariana DeBose. They'll be taking place on Sunday, June 11th on CBS. For those who caught the Tony Awards Act 1 on Paramount Plus leading up to last year's main telecast and loved it, Pluto TV will be presenting it this year. For those unfamiliar... Pluto TV is a free ad-supported streaming television service owned and operated by the Paramount Streaming Division of Paramount Global. To anyone who complained about having to pay to watch them on Paramount Plus last year, this should be a nice compromise. Another major difference is that the pre-show will be a half hour longer. I'm guessing it'll be filled out with some commercial breaks, as well as more special awards that they weren't able to include in last year's hour-long pre-show. In any case, I'm excited that there will be another one this year leading up to the telecast. Hosts and further details for the Tony Awards Act 1 will be announced in the coming weeks. In other news... Key dates have just been revealed for next year's Oscars. Nominations will be announced on January 23rd, 2024, with the ceremony taking place on March 10th. To those hoping for the Academy Awards to go back to late February, their wish isn't going to come true anytime soon. I understand those who feel exhausted by the time Oscar night rolls around after spending three whole months following the season. However, there are some nice advantages to having the ceremony take place a little later than usual. Specifically the fact that it gives Academy members more time to catch up with the films in contention. I mentioned before how films like The Father and Coda doing as well as they did in their respective years probably benefited from longer seasons. Which also might have been how The Whale managed to win Best Actor for Brendan Fraser and Best Makeup and Hairstyling despite missing the cuts for Best Picture. It's gonna be a while before we get more details regarding next year's Academy Awards. When there are eventually updates, I'll be sure to share them here on the show. This next news story is about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. For those unfamiliar... It's this sung-through musical by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber based on the character of Joseph from the Bible's Book of Genesis. It was first presented as a 15-minute pop cantata at a London school back in 1968. Since then, Rice and Lloyd Webber added more material to the show, growing it into a full-length musical comedy and has been mounted all over the world which includes stints on Broadway and in the West End, a direct-to-video production starring Donny Osmond, who played Joseph on stage many times, was released in 1999. An actual movie adaptation was announced a while ago. It was set to be an animated film produced by Elton John, yet that apparently never went anywhere. This past month... It was revealed that a live-action film adaptation of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is in the works at Amazon Studios. 
John M. Chu, who has quickly emerged as one of the most prolific movie musical directors working today following 2021's In the Heights and its upcoming two-part adaptation of Wicked, is set to be at the helm. The screenplay is being written by Daniel Goldfarb, who's the creator of the HBO Max television series Julia. So far, Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals haven't had an impressive track record when it comes to film adaptations. 1973's Jesus Christ Superstar, directed by Norman Jewison, to me was very oddly put together. 2004's The Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher, which I recently rewatched and was no fun to do so, I thought had a lot of questionable choices, from the casting to the staging of the musical numbers to the Oscar-nominated cinematography. I have a review of that on my website, so you can read my full thoughts on it there. While I didn't dislike 2019's Cats directed by Tom Hooper as much as many people did, it was still a mixed bag to me. Although 1996's Evita directed by Alan Parker, which I also recently rewatched and reviewed for my website, I agree with many that it is definitely the best of them. Even Andrew Lloyd Webber himself thinks so, as he revealed in a 2021 interview with Variety. Here's hoping Joseph will also be an exception to the rule. No timeline has been revealed yet, although I imagine it's gonna be a while since John M. Chu is currently shooting Wicked and will be spending the next two years in post on both parts. It's also currently unknown if Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber will be writing any new songs for the film, especially given that the stage version itself is around an hour and a half long. In any case, this definitely sounds like a project to keep an eye out on. This next news story is about Netflix. Long before it became the successful multi-billion dollar streaming service studio it is today, the company was a DVD rental service. I myself especially remember those days. When I first learned about Netflix during the mid-2000s, it was pretty much through TV commercials talking about how you can receive your DVDs in the mail within one business day and keep them as long as you want with no late fees. By the time your DVD successfully returned, another one from your list would be mailed immediately. Which was very different from how people rented stuff from stores like Blockbuster. It wasn't until 2007 when Netflix launched a streaming service introducing video on demand via the internet. In 2013, they started releasing their own original content, and the rest is history. Though after 26 years, Netflix's DVD rental service will be retired on September 29th. Understandable why this is happening. Millions of people nowadays prefer to stream and or rent movies on demand. They get them much quicker that way. Though with that being said, this still feels like the end of an era. We've really come a long way from going out to the video store to rent stuff on VHS and return them by a specific date. Netflix may have greatly transformed from what it originally was when it was founded back in 1997, but the company has at least gone on to bigger and better things within the film and television industry. To those who still use their DVD rental service, enjoy it while it lasts. For our final subject, 
I'd like to take this moment to remember five industry veterans we've lost within this past month. Veteran character actor Michael Lerner died of complications from brain seizures on April 8th at the age of 81. This was a man with countless screen appearances to his name. Among his film credits were 1972's The Candidate, 1988's Eight Men Out, 1992's Newsies, 2003's Elf, 2009's A Serious Man, and 2014's X-Men Days of Future Past. He also earned an Oscar nomination for his supporting performance in 1991's Spartan Fink. Among his TV credits were episodes of The Brady Bunch, The Bob Newhart Show, MASH, The Odd Couple, Starsky and Hutch, Kojak, Wonder Woman, Hell Street Blues, MacGyver, The A-Team, Amazing Stories, The Equalizer, Tales from the Crypt, Law and Order, Entourage, The Good Wife, and Glee. Artistic director, producer, and theater owner Todd Haynes died on April 19th at the age of 66. He spent the last 39 years as a leader of Roundabout's theater company, one of the leading cultural institutions in New York City and the largest not-for-profit theater in America. Throughout his long career, he managed to win 11 Tony Awards for Broadway productions he produced, or in some cases co-produced with Roundabout. Actor, comedian, writer, and songwriter Barry Humphreys died of complications from a hip surgery on April 22nd at the age of 89. He was best known for his creation of the character of Dame Edna Everidge, who he played for many years. He also originated the role of Mr. Sowerberry in the original London and Broadway productions of the musical Oliver, where he also understudied Fagin, a role he eventually did get to play. In fact, something I actually didn't know until recently was that Barry was the voice of the shark Bruce in the 2003 Pixar film Finding Nemo, where he taught everyone that fish are friends, not food. Professional ballroom dancer, teacher, and competition judge Len Goodman died of bone cancer on April 22nd at the age of 78, which was just three days before turning 79. He was a head judge on the UK television reality competition show Strictly Come Dancing from its beginning in 2004 until 2016, as well as its American version Dancing with the Stars from its beginning in 2005 until just last fall. Although there were a couple seasons where he didn't appear as a judge on the latter, season 21 in 2015 and season 29 in 2020 the latter of which was due to travel restrictions at the time because of COVID-19. In fact, near the end of last season, Len announced that he was retiring as head judge on Dancing with the Stars to spend more time with his family in England. Little did anyone know that his retirement would be short-lived. Legendary actor-singer Harry Belafonte died from congestive heart failure on April 25th at the age of 96. He won a Tony Award in 1954 for his performance in John Murray Anderson's Almanac, an Emmy in 1960 for his appearance on the Revlon Review, 
two competitive Grammys in 1961 and 1963 respectively, in addition to a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2000, and received an honorary Oscar in 2015. Harry was technically a member of the EGOT Club, but the Oscar he received was not a competitive one. Not to mention that he was also an activist who was a close confidant of Martin Luther King Jr. during the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s. Harry was a vocal critic of the policies of the George W. Bush and Donald Trump administrations. He acted as the American Civil Liberties Union Celebrity Ambassador for Juvenile Justice Issues. My condolences go out to all of their families. So that's just about does it for the news of this month. I will be back on June 5th to discuss any bit of entertainment news stories that I found interesting and or important from May. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.